This is episode 254 with doctor of physical therapy, injury expert, runner, and mountain lover, Dr. Sarah Justine. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is about imbalances, what they are, when you should start to worry, how to address imbalances, and how to prevent them in the first place. Joining me is Doctor of Physical Therapy, Sarah Justine, who I had the pleasure of meeting in person about a month ago at a group run in Boulder, Colorado. She is a great PT that specializes in runners, and she is a valuable part of the Colorado running community. If you're new to the Strength Running Podcast, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. I want to help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on injury prevention for runners, short strength workouts specific to running, smarter training tips to keep you running fast, and more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world improve with our award-winning blog, our free email courses on strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and improving your mindset, plus all of Strength Running's training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. You can learn more about those at strengthrunning.com coaching. This episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker, one of my favorite companies that's investing heavily in the running community. They test your blood for dozens of biomarkers so you know if there are any red flags with your physiology that might be holding back your running. Then they give you science-backed recommendations to improve anything that might be outside of your personal optimal range. Get 25% off any of their blood tests with code STRENGTHRUNNING at insidetracker.com slash Strength running. The code is strength running with no space, and all those details can be seen at insidetracker.com slash strength running. We're also supported by Gnarly Nutrition. Use code Gnarly20 for 20% off site-wide at gonarly.com. Gnarly Nutrition understands runners because its team is filled with mountain athletes and runners just like you. With a full line of NSF certified products that are natural, effective, and great tasting. Gnarly is sure to be your go-to for protein powder, fuel, and more. Personally, their chocolate whey protein powder is, hands down, without comparison, the best protein powder I've ever had. It is unbelievably tasty. Check out all their goodies at gonarly.com and use code GNARLY20 to get 20% off your entire order. I also want to thank Louis Scare for his review of the podcast in Apple Music. He wrote, play it. Every runner needs two things, running shoes and this podcast. Socks are optional. Seriously, this podcast has changed my running game. Various running topics that helped me regain strength and bring a new mental awareness to my training. Thank you. Well, thank you for this amazing review. I'm highlighting it because it mentions the entire goal of this podcast, 
new mental awareness. I want you to understand the process of training. I want you to be knowledgeable about how you get faster, how you stay healthy, and how you can run longer. Because if you do, you will improve more than you ever thought possible. All right, our guest today is Sarah Justine. She's a physical therapist based in Boulder, and she works with a variety of athletes, particularly runners and climbers. I'm often saying that if you need a physical therapist, try to find one who is a runner themselves or who specializes in treating runners. It's your best bet at finding someone who understands your problem and its solution. Sarah is just that person. And our conversation today is filled with insights on imbalances, asymmetries, how to address them, when you don't need to worry about them, how to prevent them, and more. Thank you, Sarah, for a masterclass on this topic. If you are struggling with imbalances, with injuries, or a lack of running-specific strength, don't miss Strength Running's free email course on how to prevent overuse injuries. Sign up today at strengthrunning.com prevention, and you'll get a lesson per day on how to stay healthier for longer. Now, without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Sarah Justine. All right, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm excited to be here. So how have you been since we met in person a few weeks ago? How's your running going? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I feel like we barely really got to chat um, that day. It was such a fun, fun run with a lot of people um, and fun to mingle with everybody. But it was so nice to meet you in person finally. Yeah. However, briefly. I know. I know when all, all those people are there at, the, at those runs. Um, but no, running's been good. This is my favorite time of year to run. Um, I'm a morning person, morning runner, I suppose. Uh, and so in Colorado this time of year, it's like, well, you have to get out in the morning. Otherwise it's like a bajillion degrees after 10 AM. <laughs> so running becomes kind of impossible, but, um, yeah, no running, running's been good. Just been getting out on trails a little bit more and, um, enjoying being outside. Yeah. Spoken like a true Coloradan hitting those trails. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time doing barefoot strides on the infield, uh, in the track and it was probably 11 o'clock in the morning. And I had to actually stand in the shade in between each stride because just being on the, the synthetic turf ground was so hot that it was burning the bottoms of my foot. So oh my <laughs> you can't really run outside at all here in Colorado <laughs> after 10 or so. Yeah, no, and it's been warm lately, um, but I won't complain. It's been great. Yeah, so we are going to talk today about imbalances, and I think you're a great person to speak with about this topic. You are a, a physical therapist, you're a runner, you work with a lot of runners. I think I would love to start with just a good definition of what we're talking about when we use the term imbalance or asymmetry. How would you define this? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think what a lot of people maybe what comes to mind at first when we talk about imbalances is just like muscular imbalances. Um, but when we talk about the human body, you can have imbalances, you know, outside of just the muscular level. And so just by basic definition of imbalance, I think if we just look at imbalance as trying our body's trying to maintain equilibrium, whether that's with um like literal balance and, you know, standing on one foot or, um, that's equilibrium through force coupling of muscles. So the backside and the front side working kind of together to, um, carry out a task. Um, 
and even just as a visual, if you're a visual person out there, like visualizing a seesaw or, um, you know, balance and making sure that through human movement, if we're going to talk about running in human movement, that um, we're operating in a way that maintains as much equilibrium as we can. Otherwise, you know, one side becomes um, dysfunctional or falters. So, yeah, I, I like that definition because we're not just talking about those muscular imbalances. It could be a lot more. Um, and I really like your your example of, you know, essentially the posterior chain and the front of your body where, you know, a lot of runners might be a little bit more dominant in maybe they're a little bit more quad dominant. Can you talk about some of the different types of imbalances that we might be experiencing? Because it sounds like the the assumption that it's muscular isn't necessarily true, that there's more than one type of asymmetry that we might have. Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, I mean, most of the time it's going to be a muscular imbalance. And I would say the ones that um, truly come to mind are like those quad dominant ones um, where there's an imbalance between the muscles on the front side of a joint and the muscle on the back side of a joint. And typically those have to work together. So when you think about running, um, let's take like the quads and the hamstrings per se, as you kick your leg forward, your quad is working to extend your knee, but your hamstring has to be operating at the same amount to help decelerate that motion. And so they both have to be working together. And so if one side's working harder than the other, that's sometimes what leads to overuse injuries because, you know, it's cracking on the joint in a specific way over time um, that can lead to those, those injuries. Um, but other imbalances that exist, I mean, if we just talk about joints, so let's say uh, a lot of runners will struggle with maybe ankle mobility. I feel like that's a hot topic too. Um, you know, so the the ankle's ability to flex upward to a certain degree, um, like bringing your toes towards your shin. Um, and if let's say on one side, your ankle mobility is lacking, well, that mobility gets taken up, up the chain. So maybe in your knee or in your hip. Um, and when you think about doing things like squats or landing on one leg or pushing off on one leg, like with running, um, a, an imbalance of mobility in one joint will cause either too much or excess, you know, excess motion, um, kind of up the chain. So there's imbalances within just like joint range of motion too. And not just on one side, uh, you could argue that they exist, you know, between left and right sides. Um, but I would say that those for runners are kind of the main ones. Would you agree, Jason? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's interesting. I have a friend who one side of her rib cage juts out a lot more than the other side of her rib cage. And so it's like a structural imbalance within her body. Is that also considered an asymmetry that might have an effect on your running form or your injury risk? That's a really good question. Well, when we think about um, like, because when you said rib cage, my brain automatically went to the lungs and when you think about the, like your organs, like the inside of your body, the inside of your body is, uh, beautifully imbalanced. I mean, you have, um, more lobes of lungs on one side than the other. Um, I believe three on the right and two on the left. If I remember correctly, I don't deal with lungs much anymore, <laughs> but three lobes on the right, two on the left. Um, and so that imbalance of just like extra tissue on the inside, I don't know, maybe, maybe contributes to like her thoracic, um, expansion on one side and her rib cage. Uh, but that totally, that totally exists. That also, that example reminds me of a patient that I have who is a 
competitive rower. So I guess getting off of the running topic, but she's a professional rower. And so that thoracic rotation um, exists in her as far as like having more on one side than the other. But what's interesting about her is that I wouldn't necessarily change that about her because of the sport of rowing and how in her position, she has to row to that side a lot. And so maybe that's an example of a balance, you know, kind of on the upper half of the body where it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I was going to ask you that some imbalances can technically be advantageous depending upon what it is and maybe what that imbalance then allows you to do. And I'm curious if you have any more examples uh, especially in the sport of running, where a certain asymmetry or imbalance can actually be a good thing. Yeah, I think that it's m- more common for someone to have an asymmetry. Um, mm. Like I think most of us have some sort of imbalance somewhere. Maybe that's like through a leg length discrepancy, which is like another hot topic I feel could be another episode. But um like a leg length discrepancy or like maybe pelvic rotation or obliquity. Um, a lot of, a lot of people have one foot that's a tad smaller than the other, as far as like length of foot or maybe width of foot. Um, cause a lot of people will say that as far as like their running shoes fitting differently on either side. Um, and again, if they're, if they're small enough, most of the research has found that like if the imbalance is less than 10%, it really doesn't matter from a functional standpoint or a performance standpoint. Um, so there, so there are people where I've seen maybe to the naked eye, it looks like maybe there's like a leg length discrepancy or something. But um, in running per se, if it's small enough, it really, you know, it really may not may not matter in the long run. Um, but I can't think of any more specific examples other than the rowing one. There's there's just a lot of a lot of sports like, you know, rowing, um, baseball, where you have to have some of that asymmetry muscularly or from a joint mobility perspective, um, that's advantageous for your sport to like create power in a certain way. Uh, you know, with running, I guess you could argue, I think about trail running, um, or even, no, here's a good example, running around a track and, uh, always having to drive a little bit harder with your outside leg. And if you are a professional track runner or run more track than normal, I would, I would argue that there may be some sort of muscular imbalance or even like from the ankle, like a rotational imbalance, uh, because of how your foot has to kind of angle to run it in a circle. Um, so I would say that that's an advantageous asymmetry. Yeah. I'm thinking too, of like a baseball pitcher who probably has to have a lot more mobility and strength in one arm compared to the other. And, you know, like all of us, you know, most of us are right-handed, but whether you're right or left-handed, you know, that's obviously your dominant arm and it's likely much more coordinated. It's probably a little bit more stronger. And and I can see that just being taken to a whole next level when it comes to say a major league baseball pitcher who's using that arm professionally to throw a baseball over a hundred miles an hour, they likely have lots of adaptations that allow that arm to do things that their other arm just can't. Yeah. A thousand percent. And even if you just look at that one arm that's throwing, um, there's an imbalance between like the rotation and the strength between your, your rotators on either side. So your external and internal rotators. Um, and so they'll have this like wicked imbalance into external rotation. Um, 
so that they can, you know, crank back and throw um, that may not exist on the other side, like you're saying. A wicked imbalance. I'm going to ask you if you're from New England at this point. <laughs> no, I'm from Wisconsin. Isn't that funny? I say wicked and I say y'all to hide my mind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's quite the aside, but yeah. <laughs> I, I think this probably all lends me to ask my next question, which is, you know, imbalances are normal, aren't they? We shouldn't, we shouldn't get so bent out of shape over the fact that, you know, we're not symmetrical because I don't think any of us are symmetrical. I remember reading a fascinating article in the New York Times a while back about the fastest man to have ever lived, Usain Bolt, and how he exerted more force with every stride on one side of his body, a little bit more than on the other side of his body. So even the best in the world, the best who's ever run at those distances are asymmetrical. So can you speak to the fact that this is a normal phenomenon and we shouldn't, you know, go running to get adjusted if we notice some little thing that might be a little bit off? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, And it is an interesting topic. I think it'll be something that's researched and talked about for a long time. Um, But the more, the more they research and the more we talk about it, it is true. Like everyone has some amount of an imbalance somewhere and or an asymmetry asymmetry somewhere. You know, I have some patients even too that come in and they'll notice it from like an aesthetic perspective, maybe not aesthetic, but like, I guess from the outward side of, you know, maybe one shoulder's higher than the other or, um, uh, you know, one calf maybe looks bigger than the other or something. Um, so it's interesting that we see those things from the outside, but it truly, everyone has them. And I don't think we have to meticulously uh, pick them apart. I think where they maybe become important to remember is as runners, when we get into some of the, um, you know, high level performance aspects of things, um, and like longer endurance, uh, races, um, that they find that these asymmetries, you know, when they may lead to overuse injuries is with fatigue. So I think, um, and you're not going to be surprised by this, but I think uh, that's where like strength training, this was not a plug, you didn't make me say this, but <laughs> um, strength training becomes like so important because it's when those muscles become fatigued that like the deep, deep asymmetries come out and over time that can lead to an injury. Um, but if we strengthen them, they're less likely to fatigue and show up. Yeah. This reminds me of like, you know, the last five miles of a marathon when every runner is fatiguing. And if you want to see your worst running form, go look at yourself in the last couple miles of a marathon when you're experiencing that in- extraordinarily high level of fatigue, because that's when things start falling apart. And, and I agree with you. I think strength training is the key to kind of holding it together when you're super fatigued so that you're not experiencing all those inefficient movement patterns and and kind of resorting to your worst movement patterns. So if you do have an imbalance, it's really going to be highlighted when you're super fatigued. So I I really like that you brought that up. I think that's an important aspect to this because fatigue really brings out all of your problems, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think, again, like we're saying, that's where the strength aspect becomes really, really important and why we should make it a priority um, as runners. uh, Because if you strengthen those things, um, yeah, they're less likely to show up. Um, and, and you're more resilient to a lot of the things that could happen. Yeah. And I, I, the way I think about it is kind of this 
two-part protection. You know, if you're strength training and you have some imbalances, number one, you're going to reduce the imbalance if you're strength training appropriately. And number two, even if you are still experiencing that imbalance, you're going to be more resilient to getting hurt from it when you are experiencing high levels of fatigue. So the strength training is like this wonderful one-two punch of prevention because it's helping to eliminate it while at the same time making you more resilient to it because you probably won't get rid of your imbalance 100%. Is that right? I mean, a lot of the times our imbalances are sort of baked into our physiology. Yeah, a thousand percent. And that's, I had said this before, you know, if it's a lot of research will show and and it's easier to measure, obviously, in in a research setting, but um, most of us have upwards of like a 10% discrepancy. And even in a lot of this research too, they do it on people with ACL reconstructions. Um, and, uh, were shown, you know, in the long term that these people were able to reduce risk of re-injury or re-tear or whatever and perform at a high level, even with maybe a muscular imbalance that was less than 10%, um, but still an imbalance that, that existed when they measured it. So, so yeah, I don't think it's an, I, again, anything to be overly concerned about. Um, you know, and we talk about strength training too, addressing these issues. But I also think, um, you know, as runners proper, like, you know, rest or recovery sessions where we focus on mobility, we focus on uh, range of motion, um, letting tissues kind of calm down and adapt. Because I think imbalances can also show up. Maybe you weren't born with this with this imbalance, but it can show up as a part of training. Uh, and the one that comes to mind to me is like a quad dominance and, uh, you know, lack of glute activation. Everyone talks about lack of glute activation. Um, you know, but if you don't give your muscles time to recover or focus on mobility and all of that, and let's say your quad does become a little tighter, making the front side of your body in general more tight, it can inhibit the strength that you may have in your glute. So not to say that your glute is weak necessarily, but that imbalance of the front being too tight, is just not allowing you to access that strength. Um, so making all the little pieces that have been talked about, um, you know, strength training, but also again, mobility and rest and all of that to make sure more imbalances don't occur. Yeah. A nice preventative measure there. Now I'm wondering a lot of the, the watches that runners have these days has the metric ground contact time. And a lot of runners first experience this metric because it gives them this like mini heart attack because they look at it and it tells you how much time you're spending on one foot versus the other foot. So you might see something like 48% of your time is spent on your left foot and 52% of the time you're spending on your right foot. And so obviously there's this discrepancy and a lot of runners start worrying because, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not even, I'm not symmetrical. What are your views on this metric that our watch spits out at us? You know, is it accurate? Should we pay attention to it? And and when does it become a problem? Yeah, that's a I that's a really good question. Um, I was just reading an article about this too, um, and I do think go- ground contact time is a variable that is useful. Um, but I'm wondering if it's as useful as things like like impact force, like. How quickly does your foot slap the ground? How much force do you take up as you do that versus like how much time are you spending on the ground? Because sometimes that can be a variable of the um, the surface that you're running on. Like you're, you may spend a little bit more time on the ground on certain 
like certain trails if you're power hiking um, versus cement. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind too. Like those things are going to change depending on where you're running. Maybe it's like super windy and it's making you go slower or whatever. Um, so there's, yeah, there's just a lot of things that can change your uh, contact time, you know, outside of what could be true. And um, not to say that the technology that they put in watches isn't great, but um, we also have to remember that anything on our watches isn't going to be hundred percent accurate either. Like there's been times where my watch, when I look at the heart rate, I am like, wow, I feel pretty good, but it says my heart rate's like 195. I don't know if that's true, um, you know, or whatever. Uh, so I think that watches are are great in giving us more data because I think data can be really fun, but you have to take it you know, not just in maybe one run where it showed you this one run where you had this little discrepancy. It's more so how it looks over time um, because of all the variables that can play into that. Yeah, that's a good point because data is sort of useless if you don't know what to do with it. And I think that's where maybe a running coach or a physical therapist can come into the picture and actually help you decipher some of those really interesting metrics that your watch is, is pointing out. Now, you've said a, a quite a few times that imbalances that represent maybe a 10% difference or less are probably not things we have to worry about. When do we have to start worrying? When, when do imbalances start to become a real issue that need to be addressed? You know, the injury risk is too high to continue training on them. What are the warning signs for something like that? Yeah, I think in my eye, uh, as a physical therapist, you know, it's usually I'm seeing these imbalances, unfortunately, not on the injury prevention side, on the when we have injury side. Um, and so any imbalance that's causing like noticeable symptoms, whether that's whether that's pain um, or any any sort of thing that's outside of your normal, I guess, um, that's when I would start to be a little bit more concerned is that they're, they're causing pain or, or, or maybe you can notice like it's changing the way you're running or your gait. And even outside of running, maybe it's changing the way you're walking around or going up and down stairs or functioning outside of running. Cause running truly is a smaller portion of our lives than everything else. Um, and so these imbalances may show up in other areas of your life as well. Um, you know, or if it, or if it really, you know, when I, so I do see patients for like injury prevention too. Like maybe they're coming in and nothing's going on, but we're just doing a check before a training cycle or something. You know, I'll be a little bit more concerned if it's much greater than that, like um, maybe a 25 to 50% discrepancy and A in strength, but B really in like, I see it the most in joint mobility. Um, and so like, I can think of a patient once who had, I do the straight leg test a lot. So laying on your back, lifting up your leg as high as you can. You can see a lot of things with that test as far as like hamstring flexibility, um, even calf and ankle flexibility, what's happening at the pelvis, what they do with their core, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's a really nice test. And I remember one patient um, had, you know, almost kind of normal uh, range of motion and lifting up their leg. And then the other side was maybe at like a 45 degree angle. So there was like a significant difference. Um and so I think that that's when, as far as running goes, that's where that one could show up in the future as 
something that would concern me. Like if we didn't pay attention to this now and work on this now, I think that that could lead to like a hamstring tendinopathy or tendinitis or tear on one side um, or Achilles issues or whatever kind of down the road. I like that we're also talking about imbalances from a mobility perspective, because I think a lot of runners either have that asymmetry between the left and right side, you know, when it comes to ground contact time or when it comes to how strong a muscle is. But that straight leg test, I think, is really indicative and helpful of of a lot of different issues that might be going on. And if runners can go through some of those mobility exercises, you know, as they're warming up for a run, you know, they're doing some leg swings, they're doing all kinds of other different dynamic flexibility movements. You know, I not only think that that's a great way to warm up, but it can also be a fun diagnostic tool because you can really tell for yourself, oh, wow, my left side is just not moving the same way as my right side. And it can be a nice way just to keep yourself informed of your own problems that you might have, any issues that might be getting worse over time. I think the trend is also a really important thing to consider. So I think that can be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I I love that thought um, about the warm up because I think it's also something as runners we really struggle with, myself included, myself included. There are days where I'm just like, all right, I got to do my run and I don't warm up maybe as much as I should or whatever, but it is, uh, it is something that will help you tune into your body, whatever that means for you. Um, checking in on how your body feels, how your joints are moving. If any sort of niggles are going to, are, are felt or popped up or, or maybe like how recovered you are from the run before, um, you can kind of figure that out or feel that in a warm up. So that's a really, yeah, it's a good point. You probably noticed a couple of weeks ago that we did not do a warm up before our group <laughs> run and I thought I was going to get called out because I'm like the warm up guy, you know, the coach that's always talking about the value of warm ups, and everyone has just took off. And I was like, oh man, I guess we're not doing this. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, at least the first mile was was nice and easy. It sort of acted as a, a pseudo warm up. Pseudo warm up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Sarah, if someone does find that they do have a more substantial imbalance and they're committed to addressing it, what are their options? for targeting that imbalance. You mentioned strength training. I wonder if there's anything else. And, you know, could you talk a little bit about each? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, if you're just unsure, A, if you have an imbalance or B, if your imbalance truly matters, I definitely think going to see somebody, I'm biased, but like going to see a physical therapist or a chiropractor um, or someone in that field, um, if you can't talk to your your coach about it, um, coaches are great resources for that. Um, but having someone kind of get their eyes on it and it can be really helpful to see if it's something that you should be concerned about or not. Um, if you are, if it is something that's like, okay, I should pay attention to this. I should work on this. Um, outside of strength training, I think finding, um, like a mobility routine. So like yoga or Pilates or something where it's going to work on some of that joint range of motion. Um, in a way that's a little bit less intensity than running or strength training. Um, cause again, sometimes these imbalances come from a tightness or like overstimulation from a neuromuscular standpoint. So having some of that stuff, that's a little bit less intensity like yoga or stretching or whatever can be really helpful. Um, so those are great resources. If, uh, if it's nothing that you're too concerned about, but, but you want to address it, treat yourself to a massage. I would say go see a sports massage therapist. Um, 
uh, or someone that can do some hands-on care. Cause a lot of the times, especially if it's a, I guess more so if it's a mobility, um, or muscle tightness, uh, contributing to your imbalance, working out some of those things with a, a, ther- a massage therapist can be really helpful for addressing some of those things and, uh, realigning muscle tissues and, um, and mobilizing it all. Um, we have a lot of people come in and use the Normatec boots <laughs> or like those compression sleeves. Um, and I'm not sure how that, re- how that helps maybe like bigger imbalances per se, but again, it's just something that like, all right, well, m- this calf, uh, feels maybe more tight. Like, I don't know if it's a strength discrepancy. I don't know if it's a mobility discrepancy, but it just feels tighter than the other side. So kind of speaking to the massage aspect of things, you know, using a massage gun, using a foam roller, um, getting into the compression boots, maybe that just helps one of your muscles that feels tight, um, recover a little bit better. That way that you don't feel, um, that imbalance from that perspective. You know, I got a advice from a coach a while back that was essentially saying, if you want to be a high level runner, if you want to be able to train a lot, run fast, you know, run high mileage, do all the things that high performing runners want to do, you have to have supple muscles. And that one little phrase really opened a lot of ideas for me because all of a sudden, you know, if you want supple muscles when you're running 10 miles a day, or you're running two very hard workouts a week, you need to do all that other body care work so that you actually feel good, so that you do have some more mobility, so that your muscles aren't always feeling tight or sore. And so I see a lot of application for those compression boots, for foam rolling, for self-massage, going to get a real massage, and the strength training too, which is going to make your muscles a lot more resilient to the stress of running. And you know, all those tools certainly have their place. Can we talk a little bit more about the strength training aspect of things? Because I I think this is probably like one of the more important ways of addressing big imbalances. And maybe we could give our listeners some real practical suggestions on, you know, the types of strength training that are particularly important when it comes to this, uh, and and maybe even some example exercises. Yeah. um, Well, I would love your thoughts on this too. I usually with my patients, because I feel like a lot of my patients, I would say a majority of my patients are just kind of entering the strength training world. So um, usually for my patients that are kind of just starting it or trying to learn how to introduce it into their training, I think the best way to get into that is through body weight exercises. A, they're easy. So when you're trying to just even find a routine, like how does this fit into my life and my training um, regimen, that you know body weight exercises can be great for that. Um, so doing maybe more reps, but with less weight, Uh, So you're working on muscular endurance. Um, You can feel some of those imbalances a little bit, um, especially doing those exercises on one leg, since running is majorly a one-legged sport. Um, So doing those exercises on one leg, um, you know, and then eventually, maybe after a month or two of doing, you know, the bodyweight exercises at least two times a week, um, eventually adding in weight so that you can progress that strength over time. Because again, bringing it back to what we were saying before, a lot of these imbalances and asymmetries are going to show up later when you're fatigued. Um, and so if you can add, add weight and make your muscles even stronger, um, you're going to reduce the early onset of fatigue, um, you know, in the longer races or whatever. Um, and so working with 
your run coach or a strength coach to know how exactly to incorporate weight safely. Cause there's also like with running, you don't want to go from like zero to a hundred. You don't want to go from no weight to lifting, deadlifting 50 pounds. It's probably not good either. Um, so, but a lot of the ones that I give my runners and I think they're good ones to give runners at first because runners are good at them. Cause it's just kind of like the way our bodies move, but, um, you know, like squats, deadlifts. I like single, single leg options of both of those. So like little single leg squats or single leg deadlifts. Um, lunges are great. Step ups, um, are great, especially for my trail runners who are always climbing, um, calf raises, uh, especially on one leg, um, to work on that propulsion strength. Uh, what ideas do you have, Jason, or ones that you give runners? Yeah. I mean, I really like those ideas. Uh, I think, I think I would probably take like a a two pronged approach to this, um, from more of a general perspective. You know, if there was a serious imbalance, I would say, go see a physical therapist. Uh, cause I'm not one, nor do I play one on the internet, (laughs) but you know, if a runner is more seeking to prevent imbalances, I would say, you know, number one, let's make sure we have a consistent strength training habit. And let's make sure too, that we're including some of those single leg exercises. And, and I think you named the big four that I would probably recommend, which are the single leg squat, the single leg deadlift, the step up, and the single leg calf raise. I think those are probably the four big single leg exercises that I would probably recommend. And then if a runner did have a particular imbalance that they wanted addressed, I might look at some more specific exercises based on what their imbalance might be. So, you know, even something as simple as like a hip hike, that is something that you're going to do on one leg. It targets one side at a time. And for someone like me who, you know, my injury of choice, my kryptonite is IT band syndrome. And if I do, you know, a lot of hard training without enough strength training, I will typically start feeling pain on the outside of my left knee because of my IT band syndrome, you know, issues from the past. And I would definitely start doing more hip hikes. Um, And that is actually a great, I think, diagnostic tool to be doing regularly. So I think uh, some of these single leg exercises should just be incorporated into most runners training most of the time, because if they are, you know, going on crazy long runs in the mountains, or if they're running super high mileage, uh, or if they're doing really hard workouts, you know, like we've kind of been saying those instances of high stress, high fatigue are really going to bring out the imbalances. And some of these single leg movements are going to be able to also bring out the imbalances, but without as much fatigue, without putting you in a situation where you're 10 miles from home, you know, on some crazy 20 mile trail run. And now all of a sudden you start experiencing these imbalances. So we can do it more safely at home doing some basic strength exercises And once you sort of understand some of your imbalances, you can address it more regularly. You can maybe prevent yourself from doing anything too hard, too challenging that could then cause an injury. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a really good point. Um, And also, too, I don't don't know if this is something you do with your athletes, but um, to go off of that, I'll, I'll give some of these like single leg exercises um, or kind of the body weight exercises and tell my patients to do them before the run. So, um, because of kind of the diagnostics that they have, you can, you can see how your body feels. You can start to feel these different movement patterns that are important, important for running. And then they're also like kind of a dynamic warm up, like a lot of dynamic warm up movements look like 
deadlifts or squats or lunges, walking lunges or whatever. Um, and so as you're starting to learn how to introduce this into your training, you know, doing it before a run can kind of kill two birds with one stone, I guess. But I do like the diagnostic portion of it, um, that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, we can actually do something similar too, just with fatigue. You know, there's a lot of these exercises that require a high level of balance and that fine motor control, that neuromuscular control is one of the first things to go when you're really tired. So if you do a bunch of single leg exercises or even exercise, say like a backwards lunge and you're wobbling all over the place and you're having a long run or a very difficult workout that day, you might just want to be a little bit more cautious because you've discovered this underlying fatigue, maybe in your nervous system that could compromise your movement during the hard workout. So using it as a diagnostic tool, I think is really helpful, um, not just for imbalances, but also just to kind of check your fatigue levels. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Thousand percent agree. So Sarah, I'm curious if there's any training habits, actual things we're doing while we're running that could potentially contribute to imbalances, you know, and, and I have an example of this, you know, I'm thinking about if you were doing all of your mileage running around a track in the same direction, you know, that's not advised. The track is for workouts and races. You don't want to be doing an easy 15 miles, you know, running along the track, but is there anything else that runners might be doing in their training that could contribute to imbalances that we could optimize and, and change? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this and it made me think of trail running, maybe because I've been doing it a little bit more and I've been out there a little bit more, um, that kind of in the sim- in the similar sense of running around the track the same way, I sometimes wonder if some of these imbalances pop up because as trail runners, especially with climbing, if we're always leading with the same leg. So if you think about doing a step up exercise, you're doing a step up leading with the same leg for how many miles or how, you know, how much time going up a mountain. Um, and you know, if you not to, not to say that you shouldn't be doing trail runs all of the time, but you know, maybe you take one of your easy days, if there is some climbing involved to practice going up with the opposite leg or practice making sure that you do every other leg to see what that feels like. Um, and same thing with going down too. uh, when we go really fast, we tend to just lean into our dominant side. So, um, we'll let that dominant side kind of control us down and we're leading with the other leg almost the whole way down. Um, you know, but taking some of your training days to practice controlling yourself down with either leg. Um, that was kind of the big example that came up for me. Um, because again, fatigue, when fatigue sets in, our body is going to resort to our dominant side. Yeah. That's an interesting example because it's one that I didn't think of, but now that you mention it, there's so many trails that I run on here in Colorado that have essentially steps built into the side of the trail, but they're fairly wide steps. And so you can't step on one and then with the other leg step on the next step, you have to take another step on the same step. And if you're not paying attention, that means you're stepping up with the same leg on every single one of those steps. And I can see that as, you know, essentially just doing all of your step ups with one leg. That's clearly going to cause some imbalances. So that's just something to be aware of. The other thing that I was thinking too, Sarah, is if you're running on the road and you're always running on the same side of the road, you're experiencing the same slope of the camber on the, on the edge of the road. 
And that could be something that contributes to your, uh, your injury risk. And, and I, I know for me personally, if I run on the right side of the road, it bothers my IT band on my left leg. Whereas if I run on the left side of the road, it actually makes my IT band feel a lot better. So if I can, I'm always going to be running on the left side of the road. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially if you're experiencing some of the the camber to the roads that you're running on. And maybe when you're running on the same side of the road, depending on what road you're running on, if if the turns are always in the same direction, it kind of relates to running around a track. Um, that's uh, really interesting. Another example too, um, and this relates to imbalances, but also is like an injury prevention thing. Um, it's just running on the same terrain all the time. Um, you know, and maybe that's an imbalance as we start to talk like more into bone related injuries, like stress, bone stress injuries, uh, but making the mistake of like only running on cement all the time. Uh, maybe you find like turf or like a flat gravel path just to change up the terrain a little bit, um, I think can be uh, helpful too. Yeah, for sure. I put on my coach's hat and I definitely think that there's a lot of value in varying the surface that you're running on for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you, you certainly don't really want to do a workout on concrete. It's probably the hardest surface that you can find. You know, if you're racing 200 meters out on the road somewhere, maybe you want to do it on concrete because it's just going to return a lot of energy. You're probably going to race fast and that's a good thing. But if you're doing all of your runs, including your recovery runs and workouts on concrete, that to me is just a huge risk because of all the impact forces that that you're going to experience. And then of course, if you're doing all of your runs on technical trails, unless you're a technical mountain runner or ultra runner who's doing those kind of events, you know, that's leaving a whole host of other things on the table, including foot speed and getting in a more consistent stride and, you know, other things that we can work on as runners. So I, I see huge value in running on all kinds of surfaces and being resilient enough to run on all kinds of surfaces for sure. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Sarah, do you know your asymmetries? Do you have any imbalances? Oh, absolutely not. I'm perfect. I thought so. <laughs> um, ah, no, you bet I do. You betcha I do, I should say. Um, I know Here's that, that Wisconsin I, coming out. There it is. I told you. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like I struggle with some of the normal imbalances. Like I know, uh, one hip is a little bit weaker than the other side. And I do tend to see this a little bit more in women for some reason, but, um, like my left hip is kind of my problem hip that I always have to work on and do my hip exercises with, um, uh, calf wise too. Um, it's interesting. And I don't know if I can fully explain this. I'd have to think about this for a little bit, but, um, for me, it seems like my imbalances tend to be one-sided. So my left side seems to be the side that feels imbalanced, whether that's in my hip or in my calf or my ankle mobility is is less on my left side. Um, but I also have some patients who it's not always just all on one side. Like it's their left hip that's that's weaker, but their right ankle mobility is less, um, yada, yada, yada. But for me, um, I am very aware that they're all on my left side <laughs> and I am working on them. <laughs> yeah, we all have imbalances for sure. Um, yes. Even even the physical therapists among us. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Another imbalance I will just mention quick because I notice it in myself. I've been getting into climbing, um, rock climbing um, as a form of just like kind of cross training and um, 
aside from running, but I noticed in that, that my left shoulder is tighter. And sometimes I'll feel that when I'm climbing. And uh, it was just an interesting thing to remember about myself and how that relates to potentially the the left side imbalances in my hip with running and all of that and how much the upper body you know, imbalances like in our thoracic spine or our shoulder tightness can contribute to those imbalances down the chain. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, I want to speak too when you said you sort of have noticed women having more hip imbalances than men. I've definitely talked to a lot of mothers who are carrying a baby around on their hip for hours a day. And maybe it's a newborn, maybe they're in the first year of life, and they've never done this before. And then all of a sudden, they realize that their legs feel out of whack, their pelvis is out of alignment. And it's because of carrying a kid on your hip for hours every day. And typically, you're not changing the hip that you're holding the kid on because you want to use your dominant side. And so that is something that I've seen a lot in in just people who are dealing with little kids. <laughs> yeah. And you bring you bring up a good point about how what we do again, like outside of running can definitely play into what happens when we're running. So like what postures we have throughout today, not that any posture in and of itself is the right or wrong one, but holding one of them for too long. So if you are holding a baby on one hip and that hip sits out a little bit more, or you're just putting all of your weight through one side to help you hold that hip or hold the baby. Um, that can play in, you know, when you get into running or same with sitting at a desk and maybe you always cross your right egg, right leg over your left leg and you sit like that for eight hours a day, um, you know, going and thinking about the mobility aspect of that or ramifications of that and then how that plays into your running. Um, not that not that I want people to like hyper-focus on everything, but um, it, it does like, you know, kind of what we do outside of running also contributes to it as well. I remember my college coach telling us not to drive with our wallet in our back pocket because <laughs> it would put our hips at an, in an elevated position with one higher than the other, and it would lead to SI joint problems. It would lead to all kinds of other issues. And you know, a lot of us would be driving to school after a break or a long weekend or something like that. And that was always just this weird little random thing that he was always harping on. But now that I'm a little bit older and wiser, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Or you just have a really thin wallet so that it doesn't make a big difference. Yeah. There you go. Well, I was in college during the times of huge wallets. So <laughs> nobody had thin wallets. The George Costanza <laughs> wallet. If you watch that. Exactly. Card. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, we have really gone down the rabbit hole of imbalances today as much as we could on a podcast. Um, you know, this is something that that you deal with viscerally, you know, hands-on with athletes on a weekly basis. Is there anything I might have missed when it comes to identifying asymmetries, treating asymmetries, or, or even just the way that we think about them? You know what? Honestly, I think we touched on a lot of really good points today, and I really loved this conversation. And I'm glad I was so happy you wanted to talk about this because I am seeing it a lot. And I think to just kind of summarize what we've said today, um, asymmetries exist and we all have them. Um, they're not something to hyper-focus on a ton um, as runners and as athletes, but um, you know, really strengthening into them and leaning into them and knowing what they are, what, what our asymmetries are. Like when you asked me if I knew what mine were, um, I was like, huh, I do, but I think everyone should, like, it would be interesting if someone, you know, if someone didn't. So, you know, just to, again, summarize, I think 
everyone should, especially if you're going to get into running and, and really do it a lot and be serious about it. I think understanding how your body is because everyone's different. So my imbalances aren't going to be the same as yours and maybe, you know, mine don't contribute to any sort of overuse injury or whatever. Um, but you know, to, to take running and to take it seriously, I think knowing, knowing your body and, um, knowing what those asymmetries and where the fatigue will happen, um, when you run so that you can manage it, strengthen around it, um, and be as resilient as possible. Yeah, that's great. And you actually bring up a really good point where you said, you know, if you're really wanting to take this sport seriously, if you want to really be a performance oriented runner, which just basically means you're going after time goals, you want to start running longer distances, you want to really start challenging yourself in some way, then I think this topic becomes even more important. You know, if you're the runner who's running three times a week, 10 miles a week, just for general health, you probably don't have to go down this deep of a rabbit hole when it comes to identifying and addressing any imbalances that you might have. But if you're someone who now wants to run 50 miles a week, you want to get into marathons or ultra marathons, you know, you, you really want to push the envelope when it comes to speed and seeing how fast you can be. I think then this becomes more important because of what we were talking about earlier, right? With high fatigue comes all the problems that you might have. They all come out of the woodwork, right? And knowing what those problems might be ahead of time and putting in a little bit of prevention beforehand, structuring your training in a certain way so that you're not exacerbating things are all just great ideas for the more performance oriented runner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Sarah, this was awesome. I'm probably going to be referring back to this episode for my own imbalances. I need to get my left leg back to where my right leg is right now, but <laughs> thank you again. Uh, if folks want to check you out online, I know that you publish a lot of great resources on Instagram. Where is the best place to find you? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, well, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I My business is Boulder Sports Physiotherapy. So on Instagram, I'm Boulder Sports Physio. Um, so I put a lot of resources on there and people can reach out to me on there through messages. Um, people can also reach out to me via email if they need. So it's bouldersportsphysio at gmail.com. Um, if they're curious about their imbalances there, you got, you can schedule with me too. Um, either through email, if you have questions or on my website, bouldersportsphysio.com. Um, you can schedule on there too, or kind of just learn more about me and what I do. Um, yeah. And I, I say this all the time, but, and I really mean it. If, if anyone out there just really has questions, I'm happy to always be a resource, um, to anyone out there. So please don't hesitate to reach out. That's amazing, Sarah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Jason, for having me. Thank you for listening, my friends. If you found value in this episode, I would so appreciate a review in Apple Music or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you love this podcast, please consider supporting our sponsors who help make it possible. Inside Tracker is a company that I've been working with for years, and I hope to continue for years to come. They're one of the most reputable personal blood testing companies that you can find. And their goal is to help you analyze your body's biomarkers, things like stress hormones, testosterone, vitamin D, sex hormones, mineral levels, and more. And using your personal data, they create optimal ranges for each of these biomarkers. So if you're outside of your optimal zone, they then have this ultra-personalized nutrition platform that gives you science-backed suggestions for moving into your preferred zone. 
This helps you avoid any health problems, it optimizes your training, improves your performances, reduces your injury risk, and improves your recovery. I've personally gotten three ultimate tests myself, and the process is easy, it's simple, it's very eye-opening, especially if you haven't had one of these tests before. And they also have at-home testing, which only takes about 15 minutes if you're uncomfortable with going into a blood lab to get your test. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to see how you can get 25% off site-wide on any personalized blood test that they offer. Of all the purchases you can make for your running, this one can actually improve your performances on race day. It's a wonderful opportunity, and you can see all those details at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. I'm also excited to introduce our newest sponsor, Gnarly Nutrition. What an amazing brand name. But they don't just sound great, they make amazing nutrition products to help athletes like you optimize their diet, fuel smarter, and reach new heights in training. Their chocolate whey protein powder blows my mind. It's the tastiest protein powder I've ever had. I mix it with almond milk, and it's just amazing how creamy and sweet it tastes. You can try it, along with anything else at gonarly.com, at 20% off with discount code GNARLY20. Gnarly is a trusted supplier of nutrition products to athletes because all of their protein powders, pre-workouts, amino acids, and fuel are all NSF certified. That means you can trust everything from Gnarly to be safe, clean, and free of any banned substances. They comply with strict standards and procedures during every stage of the product's development, including unplanned on-site inspections to ensure you know exactly what you're putting in your body fuel better, and recover smarter so that you can do more of what you love, running. Go to gonarly.com and be sure to use code gnarly20 to save 20% site-wide on your entire order. That's our show today, my friends. If you would like to connect with me, find me on Instagram at jasonfits one My DMs are open. You can also email me at support at strengthrunning.com or visit strengthrunning.com. Until next time, my friends. 